Flexible working is a bit of an alien concept for the equine veterinary profession, but it's something we need to embrace if we want to overcome the challenges we are facing with recruitment and retention. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beaver Pod Life. Today I've got with me Sylvia Janska, who is an equine vet that graduated at RVC and uh, has multiple degrees, in fact, under her name. Um, Morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Not at all. I mean, Sylvia, you've been working on a really, really valuable part of um, of our equine industry, veterinary practice industry, which is um, talking about flexible working. So, as we all know, we've got a huge recruitment retention problem in our in our profession, and um, you've been trying to address this. So, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to work on this particular topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, thanks again for having me on the on this podcast. So um, yeah, as you said, I'm an equine vet and um, I'm passionate about this sort of space around workload and flexible working um, and particularly to help modernize vet practices um, to create more sustainable vet practices for the future. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's such a key thing for recruitment and retention and return to work. And so um, it kind of, I never envisioned going down this route. I've always wanted to be an equine vet in full-time permanent clinical practice. And that was that. Um, and I, and I still love that job. Um, but, um, it kind of started from a very personal need, um, where I needed a bit more flexibility. Um, and I've had some amazing practice I've worked at where, um, I've, I've experienced that. And I had some sort of less, less, um, good practices. And, um, but ultimately I started just chatting to a lot of my peers about this. Um, and I realized that it's not just me and my problem. Um, and so it got me thinking, okay, but if anything needs, you know, if, if anything that we want to improve, it needs to come sort of from the employers and, you know, from the businesses, et cetera. So, um, I then ended up doing my, um, certificate in business management at Liverpool because I'm like, I need, to, I need to know more about this. Like how, how do we, you know, manage change and improve things? Um, and, um, and I started talking to a lot of vet employers uh, around the topic of recruitment, retention, and, and specifically flexible working. Um, and I realized that actually a lot of them did um, want to engage with this, just didn't know how, um, because oftentimes, you know, they tried and burned themselves and so on. And um, I realized that it was a very um, reactive process in, in, in the vet profession. Um, you know, somebody requesting some flexibility and then, you know, upsetting the whole team and dynamics and, you know, or, you know, the, the business trying to um, create some sort of flexible working way of shifting to a four day week or whatever it is. Um, but doing it very reactively and it caused a lot of upset and, um, perception of unfairness and no transparency. And, you know, if you don't have a good teamwork, then you don't have a good business because ultimately, you know, what is business is a collection of people working within that, you know, um, um, firm. So, um, so yeah, and so it was, for me, it was important to find out sort of where are the key, um, problems to address and then how to address them. And, um, I'll let you ask me another question shortly, but just to give you a bit of a background there. So after I've chatted to all of these sort of, um, employees and employers, um, 
in sort of clinical practices, and most of them were, you know, equine because I'm I'm an equine vet. Um, I decided to do um, a survey around this because I thought, okay, well, let's see if I can get some numbers behind this. Um, and I thought maybe I'll have like, you know, 50, 60 responses, like 500 responses later. I'm like, hmm, okay, people do want to talk about like this is, you know, and so I had some valuable stats from that. And, um, and it just really validated that this is a space to, um, you know, pay some attention to, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and other statistics that obviously the BVA has about, you know, um, uh, something like 70% of vets worry and vet nurses worry about burnout and, uh, people wanting to obviously, um, you know, leave the profession. And when you ask them, you know, why, what is the number one reason you want to leave? Um, almost 50%, I think it's 41% or something like that say is because of bad work-life balance, you know, and that's, you know, we hear that over and over again. Um, and actually this is where the true link lies because, you know, what is work-life balance, right? And, and what influences work-life balance? Um, and, so this is where a lot of the research comes into that I've done around surf. Um, just as an example, there's, there's a lot of organizational, but also personal um, sort of antecedents to work-life balance, right? What's happening in your personal life, but also what's happening in the work life. And when you look at the work life, um, you can divide it into three main things, which are uh, flexible working is one of them. Um, the leadership behavior is another and sort of the psychological working conditions is the third one. Um, and when people say, you know, I'm working because of bad work-life balance. And when you dig deeper, they say, oh, it's because my working hours then kind of falls under that topic of flexible working yeah and I guess if you look back I suppose our profession's always been very used to working in a set way you know like the the contracts that you would have seen years ago for vets would have been almost identical I imagine and so now we're seeing this change and it's not just our profession this is probably every industry every profession a change where people are addressing their own individual needs rather than just fitting a mold dictated by the employer so obviously it's a two-way thing isn't it so people obviously want as an employee want to you know, have their own work-life balance, and the and the and the business, the employer needs to also balance that up with the business needs. So, when you identify that there's a need for change, how do you sort of go about getting people to take those first steps so they can try and make flexible working for them as an employer and as a business, also versus as an employee who's looking for that work-life balance and knows they need to change but doesn't quite know how to. Yeah, and. Um... It's a very good question. And I can kind of answer it from two different perspectives. One, what you actually asked was, how do I um, approach it? Because obviously, uh, Flexi, we have, it's a flexible working consultancy, so we can actually handhold you through that process. Um, Or what have I heard some equine practices do? So I'll try and kind of mold them together and sort of answer your question that way. And um, because the process obviously is, is is very similar, but some people are happy to just sort of do it DIY and, you know, I know best and I, I'll do it myself and I'll try it myself. Or maybe they have in-house HR managers or they need sort of somebody external like us. But um, oftentimes it's quite a... Um, sort of a stepwise process and it's an evolutionary process. Um, I think the the key thing is to start from a 
common place of understanding um, and being well informed and well educated about what flexible working means just in general. You know, there's informal flex, formal flex. What are the different types of flexible working? What are the legal legalities, regulations, those kind of hard things that, you know, you just need to know, particularly as an employer, but it's useful for transparency and for communications. Um, so for, for the employees to know that as well. Um, so, so that's one thing. And then um, the next step really is to have um, alignment of the leadership within the practice, because um, and that doesn't mean having the same opinion on everything, but you have to have um, sort of the same values around this topic and the same goals, you know, yeah. where does the practice want to be in five years time when it comes to this? Um, because, you know, if you don't have the senior team aligned, then how can you involve the rest of the team? Um, that that's why you're the leader. That's why it's called leadership. Right. Um, and then, and then sort of the next thing really is, um, involving, yeah, in, involving the rest of the team and, you know, um, the, the practices that are making flexible working work, um, really do it from a place of, you know, flexible working is a team effort. Um, and particularly because it means something different for everyone. Um, you do need that communication, um, around this. And so there's actually one practice where I've spoken to an Anquine practice where they said that the initial stages have actually been, um, somewhat painful because what it really took initially was, um, and they, they were practice, as you said, had sort of standard contracts, everybody worked the same, you know, full-time, whatever that meant for that practice. Um, what happened first was some of the individuals needed to start stepping up to allow others to flex, whether yeah. that's other team members or oftentimes as we hear, it's the partners or the directors. Um, but ultimately it actually then took them to the whole team coming together and stepping up for each other and having that give and take mentality. Um, and that is something that we talk about a lot at Flexi is that kind of, you know, being flexible with flexibility because there is different things that, you know, you can offer the practice and different needs that you need to take. Say, you know, for example, if you need to have a hard finish, which is oftentimes, you know, very difficult in a clinical practice, but for whatever reason you need that hard finish, you might be able to give back in some other way. For example, work an extra Saturday and actually somebody mm -hmm. else really doesn't want to do out of hours and you really don't mind doing an extra out of hours, right? So yeah. that is where the give and take model comes in. Yeah. And I guess that's what it's about. It's about being honest. Like these are the, these are the, um, the, the, this is what we need to fulfill with our, in, you know, our workforce within the practice. These are the hours we need to get covered. This is the amount of work that needs to be done. And then it's trying to negotiate or trying to work out, I suppose, a way with those employees, how they can cover that, isn't it? And I guess you're right. There has to be flexibility in both directions. Otherwise it, it can't work. It's a team effort, basically. It's, yeah. And, and it's, a uh, yeah, it, it's, it comes from both sides and, you know, you look at some of the theoretical academic research that's being done. That's what they're saying. You know, it's, 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 it needs to come from both the employee and the employer. Um, oftentimes in Flexi, we talk about how it needs to, um, you know, suit the individual. It needs to, um, you know, maintain a, a unified team, but also sustain the business. Right. So it's yeah. those kind of three components. Um, and then obviously you have to come together to deliver for the client. But um, yeah, so it's this being proactive rather than reactive, being prepared, yes. making sure, and, and that can start with the leadership, then the, you know, allowing the team, bringing the team together and having them come up with ideas, you know, what does flex mean for that particular practice? Um, yes. and, and sort of knowing also where you're starting from so that you know how you're improving, you need to be able to somehow track that you're going in the right direction. So, yeah. 
I guess that's a good point. The proactive, reactive thing is interesting because I guess a lot of practices have probably gone along over the years without any issues and they've managed to get vets and everything's been fine. And then suddenly the wheels fall off when they can't find the vets to cover the work or the nurses to cover the work. And then it becomes this reactive state, doesn't it, where we've got to do something different now. And actually, it might be that it's it pays to try and predict these changes that are coming and how the workforce is changing and the demands that are changing and try and do something, as you say, more proactively, try and assess that situation, that part of the business in a more proactive way, rather than waiting for there to be a fire and trying to put it out, trying to sort of assess the risk that the practice is under from that point of view. Would you say that there's um, there's ways that practices can kind of look at this issue before it becomes an issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of what you said. There is sort of, you know, every practice is at a slightly different stage, but um, you can kind of categorize them into um, some, as you say, kind of being proactive and doing something about it now before it's an issue or ones where actually um, they are, you know, understaffed and where it is an issue and they recruit any vet as long as you have an MRCVS and you can yeah. deliver some work, right? And so um, I think it pays for uh, for both of these segments really to to look into this, particularly because um, I'm sure some of our listeners will be um, aware of some of the governmental changes that are coming into um, effect um, or have in some way already come into effect. So just to give you a, a, some background, there is um, last December, 5th of December, 2022. Um, so the December that has just passed, um, the, the UK government um, announced its intentions to introduce changes to the right to request flexible working legislation with the aim of making flexible working um, the default. So the common thing that people know about is that employees will be able to request flexible working from day one of employment rather than waiting 26 weeks. But that's only one of the changes. There's other things that are sort of part of that. And it's important for you to know. So whether you're at the stage where you're struggling already or whether you're not, actually there's changes in legislations happening. So everybody needs to look into this and understand where they stand so that they can, you know, do everything correctly and be prepared for it. Otherwise it you know, leaves you behind. Yeah. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? You don't have to do this on your own. There's, there's resources out there and that's something you work on with your company, I know, but, um, you know, there's resources out there. There's, there's evidence out there actually beyond our industry, you know, like we've already discussed, there's plenty, this isn't a a unique problem to us. Um, so there's, there's lots of research, lots of data being gathered, lots of information that people can, can read up on and look into. And I guess it's just becoming one of those things we've all got to, you know, sit up and take notice of is that yeah. it's changing and we need to change with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess what I would say is, of course, for example, the um, BVA have published their Good Workplace Guide. Mm-hmm. And one of the key topics, I think there are seven topics, one of them is workload and flexibility. So they've highlighted a few things there. Um, then they've also followed it up by releasing some case studies around flexible working. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, so um, I have one free tool that is on on my website around um it's a, a flexi health score but basically it enables uh practices to sort of it's a self-assessment um and they can score themselves um where you know where they are when it comes to flexible working in in their business and it's a tool that actually has been reviewed by leaders in the vet profession but also hr specialists so so that is a, a free thing but um we're also creating a 
um, a hub with all these kind of other resources that you mentioned, sort of how to think about sort of your recognition and remuneration strategy, for example, or how to think about, so there's one practice, one equine practice I spoke to, and they've introduced um, a flexible working where I think they said that now they have only one person who works the typical full-time hours, but everybody else works some type of less than full-time. And I'm saying this because people are getting a bit itchy about calling it part-time because yes. that means so it's full-time <laughs> and less than full-time apparently now. But um, what they've done, they one of the things that they had to um, really um, kind of change strategy really or how they how they work is how they share equipment between each other because obviously everybody's working slightly differently and it still needs to work for the business and needs to be financially viable for the business when it comes to you know ultrasound x-rays but also cars right you know and so on so so those are the kind of things that um you know will all be sort of I guess in, in, in the hub to, you know, um, to consider and there's going to be a whole sort of, um, just one thing I'd like to highlight is what we talked about is the, the key thing that it is a team effort. Um, and so, um, there will be a CPD course for the teams as well so that they can start from a common place of understanding, um, and, just understand what is flexible working. Why is it important? How do we approach this? How do we communicate about this? You know, how, how can we talk about it in our practice and decide what does flexibility mean for us, um, as, as our team. Right. Um, so, so yeah, but there's, there's plenty of sort of non-vet specific resources and that you can sort of just search if you have the time. (laughs) I think that's, that's a big problem. (laughs) Yeah, it's like anything though, isn't it? You've got to invest in this stuff if you're going to make it work, whether you're an employee or an employer. You know, this this is a this is a really important area of of employment, isn't it now? So we've just got to just got to accept that and start learning about it and 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 affecting change that's going to work. So if you if you took the I mean our audience is obviously equine specific. So what would your sort of take home messages be really for equine specific employers, employees? Um, that sort of maybe is what makes us a little bit different to say the small animal vet industry or any of the other industries, for instance, you know, there's, there's uniqueness about our type of work, isn't there, that makes this particularly difficult. So do you want to just highlight some of those bits, whether that's examples of practices and vets that you you've come across or or more generic stuff? Um, I think there's levels of uniqueness. So, um, Yes, flexible working is something that's being discussed in other industries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we differ or the vet profession differs is because we're client-facing professions. So actually a lot of the work I do um, or com- communications I have is with NHS because they have a, you know, they're a mm-hmm. client-facing profession. And actually at the SPIFS Congress last month, um, I had the head of flexible working from NHS come and talk to us and we compared and contrast two different industries on this topic. Um um, and then there is uniqueness with regards to equine because we're sort of maybe as ambulatory, you're on the road. And as I mentioned, one of the examples was thinking about your um, equipment sharing strategy, right? Um, but um, I think key messages when you ask, are they apply sort of the, the overarching key messages apply to any business. So what I said about being proactive, recognizing it's a team effort and where does that start for you? Does it start with aligning the leadership? Does it start with, you know, just having a team meeting and asking everybody, are you happy or do yeah. you need to change something? Or we're on board, we want to onboard another two 
part-time less than full-time vets what do you think about that does anybody else need to change at this point how they work um so proactive team effort and um what i said about knowing where you're at now so that you know if you've improved so figure out a way to sort of measure it it doesn't have it doesn't have to be quantitative um i mean my self-assessment tool is quantitative but it can be qualitative right but yeah. do track it somehow so you know that you're going in the right direction yeah. um, and you can then use that obviously for recruitment you know oh look we've improved in this past year we've had you know people say this about flexible working in our practice and now they are saying this right so um, you can you can just kind of be pro- yeah proactive and and um and think about it that way. Um, uh, I guess you've asked about examples from, from specifically equine practices. Um, another example was, and, and again, this doesn't really apply just to, um, just to, um, equine practice, but there was one equine practice, ambulatory, um, equine practice here in the UK that I've spoken to, and they were placing a lot of emphasis on how they interview. So their interview process, um, and this was an independent, um, equine practice, um, Heath Equine Vets, um, with Kathy Duncan actually. And she, um, so they encourage people to really share what their aspirations and needs are so that the practice can flex around that, um, rather than sort of the other way around, um, and really know from the get go, what are the needs and what are their commitments in life so that they can help them fit their kind of work inside their life. And that is also a lot of, um, you know, the new incoming workforce, that is what they're wanting. They want to find ways of how, how can they sort of have a good holistic work-life balanced kind of life and fit their work inside that rather than, you know, this kind of, maybe more traditional James Harrod mentality of this is my vocation full stop and I will dedicate my whole life 24 seven to this, um, and, and, and try and work that way. So I think that mentality is shifting and we have to be able to adapt to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's inevitable. You know, corporatization and there's there's less practice ownership than than there was before. So, people are naturally going to have a shift in their attitudes towards their work, and that possibly would have happened regardless. I mean, so um, the key is probably, like you say, and I think that's the underrunning theme here is openness, isn't it? Openness, communication, keeping that sort of discussion going throughout from employment start dates throughout to somebody perhaps leaving and moving on you know it's understanding how well that that employment relationship has worked for both sides and then adapting and making changes in a proactive not and not reactive way um, and trying to address where where change needs to happen I think that's a really a really you know very obvious but very good point to take home for everyone is that you know don't bury your head in the sand basically about you know things might seem fine now or you might be happy now but stuff changes yeah absolutely and and it kind of brings us back to what i said at the very beginning it's you know it's you know why are we discussing this is to improve the work-life balance for Mm -hmm. the individual for the team for the business and um you know there are uh, many elements to improving that, whether that's, as I said, you know, leadership or psychological safety or flexible working and some of the more sort of uh, technical um, mm-hmm. aspects of it. Um, and basically we started talking just now when you were mentioning about, you know, one of the key things being openness, um, actually one of the main elements of flexible working is having high trust, you know, and rewarding um, deliverables rather than pre- presenteeism right like if you you need to see somebody um to make sure that they're working then you have much bigger cultural issues right so one of the things that we do with our consultancy i mean i need to 
assess whether I can even help you is flexible working the thing that you need to be focusing on at the moment or do you have other other things so um yeah no so you know flexible working is only one part of a, a, a sort of the whole culture really right or the yes. whole way of working um and so I'm I'm not while I'm passionate about it and it seems like the number one thing that people want to change so that we can match the you know the demand and the, and the needs of the business um it, it is only one thing and you know it won't solve all of the issues but one of the things that i i talk about is again and this is something that i talk about in the cpd courses um we need to realize that we want to keep uh, most of our staff happy most of the time but you, you know you can't achieve 100 percent of yeah. you know uh, kind of fulfillment um you know and that's why you have other things in your life right yeah so. absolutely super well thank you very much for talking to us today sylvia i think it's a really exciting and certainly very important aspect of of you know veterinary practice that we've all got to start to take a bit more notice of and address um all within ourselves you know when none of us are immune to needing to to work on yeah. these elements um but we hope to have you back at a later date to touch a bit more on on the sort of you know practical implications of what we've talked about today um and yeah thank you very much for your time today i hope you've enjoyed being here and we have certainly enjoyed listening to what you've had to say I always enjoy listening to you, Lucy. So. No, thank you very much for, for chatting and for having me. And um, if I can help in any way to anyone who's listening, then I'm very um, open and accessible. So, reach out. Thank you, Sylvia. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye.